just so you know what I do. So my name's Daz. I have a wife and three children, three girls. Um, and we live in Irwood, which is near Marrickville. Um, but we were living on the Central Coast up until a year ago. I don't know if you know where that is, up like nice Terrigal beaches and life is, you know, quiet and peaceful. <laughs> and then we moved into the chaos of Sydney. Um, and we, we, we joined a little gathering there where we're looking at how can the church be present in a place that's pretty hostile to the church um, and what shape should it take? What does our mission look like? What does our gathering look like? And we're just taking a bit of time to explore that. But I work for Fresh Hope, and Fresh Hope is like the, we're not a head office, but we're a resourcing centre, is what we're called for Churches of Christ, which means that we try and help churches in lots of different seasons. So sometimes we close churches, and sometimes we open them and start them. That's my favourite thing, and that's the thing that I'm mainly responsible for, is the helping, facilitating, and resourcing of churches, church planting, pioneering, we call it. But sometimes churches get stuck, and they need a bit of help. Sometimes there's conflict. Sometimes there's something that happens. Or sometimes they're just not sure what to do. And, and we get invited in to help with that. Um, sometimes it's some, you know, strategic thinking. Sometimes it's navigating something that's very complex. Um, but I get to work with lots of different churches, which is interesting. Because that's the bride of Christ. And I get to see all of the diversity of that. Not that's a, actually a pretty cool perspective, but, but that sort of led me to think a bit more about this, because I met some of you guys with um, Pastor Ray Chang in April, um, for those of you guys that went to, to that, and we got to join in on one of your gatherings, and Steve and I have been chatting with a few other people about, actually, what would it be to have a truly multi-ethnic church? This is a conversation we're having, because I don't think Sydney's cracked that one. There might be some churches that kind of claim to be, but they're not reflected in the leadership to be truly multi-ethnic. They don't actually have, I think, the kind of diversity that is possible in the kingdom of God. So that's where my kind of brain went. I went, as I was sitting with God, here's the word, and that's (laughs) spacious living. And one of my colleagues, when I told him that was my title, he goes... Well, that's very appropriate for Chatswood. People living in apartments, probably, you know, spacious living sounds good. Um, wasn't at all what I was thinking, uh, although somewhat related. So, so the reason this word spacious came up for me was because what I've realised is this. As I travel around and meet with different churches, I'm going to tell you my big idea right up the front, and then hopefully you can track with why I've, I've gone here. I think churches need to reintroduce the concept of spaciousness. Spaciousness, I, I, I think if I give you this, if I give you this concept, and can, can you all just say the word spacious? Spacious? Cool, because I know that you'll forget 75% of what I say when I leave. <laughs> Apparently that's a statistic. So if you say the word, it might be, I want you to remember spaciousness, because that's the hook to hang it all on, because in, in the scriptures... There's a couple of concepts that I, that I want to talk about. One is spacious, and the other one is the exact opposite. So in the Hebrew, the word for spaciousness, the Hebrew words or letters of Yod and Shin form Yeshar. Does that sound familiar? Yeshar? Yeshua? Yoshua? Joshua? It's the same root word for salvation or Jesus. So this word spacious is a word, and it's opposite is called zarah, which is anxiety, constriction, and tightness. It's the exact opposite. And I think that culture, because we live in this world, 
I would say it is a super anxiety that we live in. The culture, it is fast-paced, it is restrictive, it is hard to navigate, and there are very few open spaces. And I don't just mean apartments, I mean with relationships, and I mean in our very souls. And I'm going I'm to show you what went wrong, because in the Garden of Eden, I'm just going to assume that most of you, and I'm sorry if you don't, and you're new and you're visiting, chat to someone, but I'm assuming that most of you know of Adam and Eve and the fall in the garden. But, but here's the interesting thing. With Adam and Eve, I would say it is the greatest example of spaciousness, right? When God created the world, they had all the resources, right, that they could use. But there was one thing they couldn't do. Do you remember what that was? Eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. So what was interesting is they had this spaciousness, but there was a boundary. So it was spacious, but a boundary. It wasn't like do whatever you like and there, there, there's actually something going on here. Now, what's interesting, you know when it says it was good and God saw that it was good and God saw that it was good, have you heard that said? Well, that word tov actually means, and we sang it in the song in a sense, what is good is actually the, dis- the, the sun is good only in its relationship to the earth. If the sun moves one millimeter, we're gone. Or either way, we're either fried or frozen. But do you see, it's good because of what it brings and the earth and the ocean. So this word actually means what is good is the relationship between things is good. Humans, humans and creation, humans and God. When, the, when Satan comes in, now I want you to get his name because at the very end of the book, in the end of the scriptures in Revelation, his name is called the Katagiros. Does that sound like a word you might have heard of? Categories? And what that means is, his role, Categoros means this, to stand against someone in the assembly. And, and, and the interesting thing is, what's good and evil? The categories. So what he said to them was to say, hey, there was a way of thought that Adam and Eve used to have, which was very spacious. And he disrupted that because he was the spacious thinking we make our decisions based on your motto of this church. Love of God and love of others. It's a relational framework of thought. Does that make sense? So the way you make decisions, the way you live your life, the way you order your day is actually relational. But the enemy comes in and says, nah, God's got more spaciousness. He's just holding back from you. So they believe that lie. And then the scriptures say that they actually... In the eating, they, their eyes were open and they knew good and evil, categories. And ever since that day, you and I have been categorizing what is good and what is evil. And in many ways, that's what's wrong with the world. Because here's the thing, what is good and what is evil? How do you actually work that out? Because cultures have different standards, if you go to certain countries and the husband dies, well, the wife gets thrown on the funeral pyre. That doesn't happen here. Why is that okay there but not here? So what I'm trying to get you to see is when you stop making your decisions in a spacious, relational way, you'll actually make them in a restricted, law-based way. You now need to make decisions based on rules, which is interesting, isn't it? Because that's exactly what humanity gets. Law. Law. Don't do this, do do this, because we would have utter chaos 
if we didn't have law. But law isn't our design. Law isn't how we were made. Law becomes a necessity because we violated the spaciousness of God. Does this make sense so far? Because setting up this foundation is kind of important because in, in humanity now living like this, only making rules, and you see this, Cain kills his brother, and, and so on and so on, God reveals the law. But what, when you come to Jesus, here's the interesting thing. What does it say about the law? It's ineffective to bring salvation. Yeshar. There's, the law, I would say this, is a restrictive commodity. <laughs> the law equals restriction, but relationships equal spaciousness. So here's the thing. In the fall, here's what got fractured. Your relationship with God, with others, with self, and creation. Those four things got fractured. So we trashed the earth. Saw it the other day. Saw a guy just throw this thing. Like, it was like a wrapper with a burger out of his car. Going, what is that? Like, there's zero thought for creation in that. He just, he just literally, my wife is a scuba diver. So she spends a lot of time underwater. And she always carries this bag. And she's carrying, hey, people throw beds into the ocean. Like, the things she's seen underwater is insane. But do you know what that, like, this kind of thing is, a, and then humanity's hostile to one another. We're always arguing. I don't like the way you, like, and if you think about your own mind when you meet someone, you're categorizing all the time. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they look. I don't like, I don't like you're filtering the whole time with good and evil and good and evil and good and evil. So our relationships get fractured. And then with God as well, the same thing. We, our relationship got fractured. We said, God, we don't really need you. I'll work out life on my own. So now that's fractured. And in our own minds, we've become a little bit separated from ourselves. We've become fractured in our thinking. And so, in this day and age, anxiety is one of the number one issues facing all people because we cannot cope with the pressure and the pace because there is no spaciousness. We haven't got yashar anymore. We've just narrowed it and made it constricted and tight. And that word, again, zarah. So, I, I put down, if, that, if that's true... If, if that's the case, that my argument is spaciousness, I want to show you a couple of scriptural examples because here's my argument, and it will have an effect on like what I would say, like how we want to be as church. If in your gatherings you're restricted, here's the sign. There's no room for the other. The other. Someone who is different. Someone who is not like you which is fascinating because when we come together, you know, the picture in Revelation of God's people is every tongue, tribe, nation, worshipping the Lamb. That's, that's the picture. But if in our gatherings there's no room for the other, then that's actually not spacious, that's restricted. You can only enter here if you um. So I was looking through the scriptures and thinking in 1 Corinthians, I won't read out all the scriptures, but in 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with this issue. If you've ever read 1 or 2 Corinthians, Paul's letter to that church, he's constantly dealing with a class system of the poor and the rich. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he says this, when you come together, your meetings do more harm than good. And the reason is, one goes ahead and eats and gets drunk and the others are left without any of the Lord's Supper. Meaning... When I'm rich and I'm in my home, I can eat what I want when I want. But the poor don't live like that. They don't have access to resources like that. 
So Paul goes, are you serious? When you come together, model the kingdom of God, not the rich and the poor, because Christ has come and actually defeated, May was just saying this word before, the hostile barrier that was there. Jews and Gentiles, poor and rich, they're all gone. All the boundaries now in Christ, those dividing walls, those divisions, those categorizes, those categories, they're gone. So Paul sort of tries to correct this church and say, are you serious? And then in 2 Corinthians, he says this, Corinthians, we have spoken freely to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, and I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do you notice the language again of restrictive and open? Paul's saying, my heart is so wide open for you. Why are you so restricted in yours? And you know what was interesting? The Corinthians nearly rejected Paul. It'd be like you guys rejecting Steve Char as your church planter because suddenly he fit a different culture. Maybe he came back as a surfer dude or something, I don't know, and you all just went, who are, who are you? You're out of here. You don't fit anymore. But this is what the Corinthians nearly did to Paul. They nearly booted him out because he wasn't wealthy. He wasn't the most eloquent speaker. He made tents, which was a quite a bloody, messy job back in the day because you're using animal skins. And they, they thought he was the lowest of the low. And they nearly kicked him out as their founder. Because again, they were being very restricted in their way. Because they're saying, but Paul, to be truly in Christ, you've got to be triumphant, victorious. We've got it all now. And he's like, uh, actually, no, <laughs> we don't have it all now. I'm in weakness. Do you want to hear about my floggings, my beatings, my shipwrecks? My <laughs> and he goes on this whole list. No, guys, you've misunderstood the kingdom. You've made it very narrow and restricted. Widen your hearts. So I'm going, wow. So if that's then then what are the cases of that now? And that's what I was thinking. When, when we come together, I reckon it's awesome when churches have all ages, all nationalities, because what we're saying when we do that is there's something unique about our gathering that isn't the gathering over there in a restaurant or a bar or whatever. We're saying when, when we come together, there's something that unites us. So there is a boundary in a sense, and it's a union with Christ. But that is it, <laughs> And the shape of Jesus, have you ever seen those mirror balls? Like in a disco, man, I must be showing my age, but you know, like, do you guys know what I mean? Like a glitter ball, right? So imagine each reflection of light and color, that, that's the church. It, it spits off different shapes and shades and colors and lights, and I get to see some of that. But when we come together, that's actually meant to be a, that is a huge part of the kingdom, where these categories have been smashed so I guess my, my encouragement question for you guys would be, so when you come together, are there any things that would make it restrictive for someone? Or is it a posture of yasha and openness to whoever might come in? What is the, what is the thing that would cause someone to, to, to be here and stay here? And it has to be Jesus. <laughs> but... Do you see how we've all, every church creates its own culture and the challenge is we restrict it. We meet at this time, we tend to be this kind of, like, these are restrictions. And so we want, and, and of course you've got to have a time that you meet. Uh, but it's, it's saying actually how are we the most, why are we in Chatswood? Is this the most strategic place? Why, you know what I mean? Like all those sorts of questions so that we can be a spacious kind of community.
And you guys have been incredibly welcoming to me, even though I was only here for like five minutes. So thank you for that. I sense it's already there. But the encouragement is to go, how do we keep moving on the path that the kingdom is being demonstrated? And then I was thinking about this in mission, not just ministry or the gathering, but also mission. And here's one of the interesting things. I don't know if you remember in Luke 9. Um, actually, did I copy it? I may have. Do you remember? Um, let me read it out. Actually, I'll try and find it so I can... We can read something. It's Luke 9. This is this small little passage. The disciples have just gone on mission. They've just argued about who's the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> and in uh, 9.49, John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. That's amazing. So even the disciples who'd seen everything and been with Jesus, they still had this group mentality that you needed to... He's not in our group. So it's, it's there. This is a product of the fall. We're constantly going, I'm in or I'm out. I'm in that group or I'm out of that group. And Jesus is saying, they can't be against you if they're for you. And again, it's really interesting because there's the kategiros, that word to stand against someone. That's, that's, there's one enemy that stands against you, Satan and his works. This guy is healing people in my name. He, he's about the kingdom. He may not look like you, you may not have known his name, but he's all about the kingdom. So even in mission, as we think about these things, and the reason, again, I mention this is not, it's just to give that wider view. I think the church, we need to start moving towards one another and learning to celebrate difference in one another. Because when I go to a Pentecostal, very charismatic church, there's different things. I wouldn't be, I'd be probably either blown over here or showered in water or something would happen by now. But that's not every church. But what I want to go, how do I honour that gift though, or that part of the body, or that part of the mirror ball, instead of going, well, I don't have that, so I'm going to judge you and say you're not a real part of this. Do you see how that can happen? Because this is the thing, when you make space for the other, you can learn to celebrate difference. You actually honour it. You uphold it and go, it's so good. So you get people with disabilities preaching. And I've got a friend who preaches with cerebral palsy and it takes him 20 minutes to unpack it. You know, I do the opposite. I speak too fast. I have to try and slow down. But he, why would we not? Why, why, what do we do when people are prophetic and they have a prophetic word? What do we do with that? What about when we're more traditional and we like to sing traditional hymns? Do you see how we get so caught up on form and categories, but actually the kingdom is about spaciousness. It's about diversity. And, and another thing, when we come together, that we could do is spend time, and I think, James, you might have said, let's just sit on that for a minute this morning. You know, like that, I think more of that needs to come in because here's the thing, where do you get five minutes of silence in your life? between phones and this and that, I'm not talking about your sleep, but even then, <laughs> in, in sleep, our, our minds are quite active. I think the church has a powerful, I'm saying this now because I believe the church has a powerful opportunity now to demonstrate another way, a kingdom way, which includes spaciousness. Because out there, everyone is anxious, they are busy, they are. Have you ever had a conversation with someone in the last little while where it went like, you know, hey, hey how's things with work? busy. <laughs> I haven't not heard that conversation. Everyone says they're busy. But when you say that, what you're actually saying to the person who's just heard you is, I don't really have time even for this conversation. Because <laughs> there's no space. I'm busy. 
And, and I think we have an addiction to busyness. And so what we need to do is model something different in the church and say, actually, because here's the thing, did God love us because we were busy for him? He loves us because he loves us through nothing we've done. And I want you to think about this. Paul uses this example again to the Corinthians. He says, I want you to consider Jesus, who though he was rich, became poor, so that you, though poor, might become rich. Do you remember him saying that? I don't know if you've heard. This is Paul saying he's picking up Jesus as the model. Here's the thing. Jesus switched categories. He didn't stick to a category because he was rich in heaven but he became poor, he came to earth and died this brutal death so that you and I can have spaciousness. So you and I could be now drawn back to God and back to others and actually I want to say stewarding creation and caring for our inner journey. Our inner souls don't get too much attention these days. We are performance driven and there's not a lot of time for how do I sit and be and just enjoy something in creation? We always feel this need to produce. But again, that's just not the gospel. That's not the kingdom way. The gospel is you are so loved by God apart from anything you have done. And so you can just be. You don't need to do. And that's why at the start of the talk, I kind of said that I've actually been practicing saying no (laughs) to, to giving certain talks. Because for me, when I get asked to do that all the time, guess what my life can become? My identity become what I do. Oh, there's the guy who preaches, or there's the guy who teaches, or there's the... But, but actually, that's not my identity. My identity is that I am a son, bought with the precious blood of Christ, and so are you. You are sons and daughters. <laughs> His love for you is phenomenal, and there is not a thing you can do right now to earn more. Nothing. He, he couldn't love you more or less than he does right now. So why are we feeling driven all the time? So, when we, so that's why, again, this word of spaciousness kept coming to me because I feel like if we introduce this idea in our gatherings, if we introduce these ideas in our missions, meaning we'll work with other churches, even though they're from different groups, because we are about the same Lord, it is one body with many parts, the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, we, we are not separate. But the enemy has convinced us that we are because he's the kategiros and he's convinced us that you are a second generation evangelical da, 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 and over here you're a 10th generation Presbyterian. do you know what I mean and over there you're a Catholic over there you're like he has convinced the church that we should be fractured but actually we are one in Christ Jesus and when we learn to celebrate the goodness of difference I tell you it's so awesome I love it I love when I see people who don't have my gifts don't have my and I see them in operation I go Thank you, Jesus. That is so good. I've been so blessed by that. And I realized the own, you know, in my own heart, I realized that the categories again, I'm doing good and evil. I used to be quite, you know, scared of the charismatic church. And, and you know, for, but, but you know where that all came from? Stories. That didn't come from my experience of being with people who are in a charismatic church. That came from stories of people. Because again, when you make someone a category, you can tell stories. But you take them out of category and they become an image bearer. They become a human again. And you can't judge them because they rise and fall with the same master that you do, with Jesus. So I was thinking mission 
and the church gathered, but also for your own souls. My encouragement to you would be to try and find some space. Actually, tomorrow, I'm going for a 24-hour... Has anyone done a 24-hour silent and solitude retreat? Yeah. (laughs) They are hard. But I have also... It sounds ironic because it's called a discipline, but I have been practicing another discipline of being still in the mornings. And I've got to be honest, sometimes it has run into like half an hour or 40 minutes where I've thought about one concept of God. I haven't been Bible reading and I haven't been trying to pray. Because again, that can be a performance. You, You can Bible read and pray and it has no value because your motives are, I've got to do it or God won't love me. It's horrible. But, but actually, so what I've done is I've gone, actually, God, I'm going to spend time being with you. And I love your word and I love praying, but I'm going to spend time just being a son and not producing anything. It has been amazing. It has caused, and I think May prayed it, still waters. So tomorrow, and you can pray for me, I'm going to have a 24-hour retreat. And it's quite painful to sit with your thoughts for 24 hours. It's hard enough after hour three. But that's just a sign of how we are going as a culture. We are not used to space. We are always driven, always checking our phones, always doing this, boom, 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 and there is no space. So my encouragement would be to find ways, micro, start with a minute. I love fire. So in winter, I try and just look at a fire and just stare at it and just kind of still my soul. Because actually the psalmist often speaks to his soul. Be steadfast, my soul. Be quiet, my soul. Like, you've got to speak to it and tell it to slow down. It's okay. And as a culture, as a community, you know, the the scriptures say that iron sharpens iron. And so you need to be that for one another. But if we keep doing the pace thing, we'll always be competing, but actually going, you know what? I'm good. That's That's what we need to start saying. I'm not too busy. I've actually built space into my week, so I'm all right. And I'm okay with not producing and doing nothing. And I think that is the kingdom way. And you know, I've missed much of this. I've reflected much on this and I haven't, I've thought, wow, I've really missed a lot because I understand anxiety. I, I get anxious. I've experienced panic attacks and things like that. I understand what it is to live with anxiety. It's a very, that restrictive idea is very real. But I just want to let you know, and some of you will no doubt experience that too, but lots of people in the world are suffering from this. And so I think when we model spaciousness, I think the world's going to be so attracted to that because we don't want to tell them that coming to Jesus means you've got to spend the rest of your life busy. I might leave it there, because that was more of a preach than a teach, <laughs> and I didn't follow my notes really at all. Um, but I think, in closing, I'm going to pray for us, but I, I, just, I just want you to think about when the, when the fracture of the fall happened with God's self and other, the reason there needs to be a kindness in your soul towards yourself, self-care is never selfish, you're actually stewarding the gift that you have being given, which is you. What you offer the world is not your abilities, but who you are. And if there is no spaciousness in you, you will not be able to offer spaciousness to others or to God. There'll be no room for God to speak. There'll be no room for others to speak. And that's where we want to get to. How do we get to that place of letting God speak? And even in the gatherings, I'd encourage you, I mean, I don't, may, Steve, but whoever may, but if you sit in five minutes of silence and just see what God does, just I didn't have any of the authority to do that here, but my encouragement to you is to say, actually, that's something you could try and see how that goes. I hope that's been somewhat helpful. What was the word I said again? Come on. All right, I'm going to pray for you and then we'll finish up.